Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years Years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hey, Better Together fans. It's not Maria Menunos, it's Mr. Maria Menunos. Substituting for my lovely and talented wife once again. Um, today we're going to do fascinating interview with a personal friend of Maria and I's, Jillian Barbary. If you don't know Jillian, maybe the few of you who don't, there's some young people out there that don't know Jillian. <laughs> we, 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 we elderly folk, we, we know her very well. You're not that old. For decades, Jillian's wit, interviews, and commentary were a go-to morning viewing for not only LA residents, but also every celebrity in Hollywood. Host of Good Day LA, Jillian was so amazing that the show never really recovered upon her departure. <laughs> but Jillian was no one-trick pony. She was the weather girl to Fox NFL Sunday, noted for her comedic banter. Host of numerous shows, actress in many sitcoms, um, and whether supporting Sharon Tate's family in the years following the Manson family murders, uh, experiencing six degrees of El Chapo, being a regular, uh, regular on the Howard Stern so- show, beating cancer, being a single mom, combating Hollywood and workplace toxicity, paying alimony, or selling great merchandise on HSN. Jillian is one of the coolest people on the planet with so much life experience and advice to offer better together. And the Heel Squad, our help 
F are happy to welcome our personal friend, Jillian Barbary. And besides the fact that I butchered my friend's intro, which is probably <laughs> something more psychosomatic. Um, no, you nailed it. I will say that um, one of the things that I'm going to jump right in on, Kels, just so everyone yeah. knows, there's so much to talk about with Jillian. I feel like she is just the next generation of Maria. She was doing everything mm-hmm. before Maria. Right. Uh, she was acting. She was reporting. Right. And like Maria, she's just someone cool to have in the office. She was very light, positive. Helped everyone. Helped everyone and has a ton of friends. But one of the things she got, she's very justice minded like Maria. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing with the the uh, the Manson family always going up for parole really irked her. And as the years went on, she became very close with Sharon Tate's family, the mother, the daughters, and became basically an advocate. Right. And would go to every parole hearing and would help them with petitions and just got super involved. Um, And then there's some involvement with the, the, the B2K killer's daughter. And then there's her involvement with El Chapo and Sean Penn. So... For the first episode, yeah. even though we could be talking about her cancer, her being a single mom, uh, you know, her having to pay alimony. I mean, all the other amazing things about this lady. And of course, her podcast, Ask Jillian. Um, I'm going to jump right in yeah. to this. And, and I want to hear about the, the Manson family stuff. Oof, me too. And how much do you know about the Mansons? Not a ton. I only know that they... The whole Sharon Tate story and from, honestly, most of it from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. So we should ask her about that too. Yeah. What they all, how the Tates yeah. felt about that movie. Yeah. Okay, you guys. Without, uh, I'm excited. A little with, true, true crime moment with, for better together. All due respect. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's go to the interview with Jillian. Jillian. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you two. I, first of all, love you. And I love Maria because you're so, when we say Hollywood friends, you know, that can be so... Uh, not misleading, but, you know, I've known so many people here. I've lived here for almost 30 years and people come and go and they say you're, they're your friends. But when it comes down to it, they're not. And mm. I have to tell you and thank you, because when I was going through my chemo and breast cancer, you totally reached out. Like, I can't tell you how many people said, oh, if you need anything, but they didn't mean it. You were like, we will shop for the kids. We will get groceries. We will mm. come take the pets for a walk. I was like, oh, my gosh. So, um. I could talk about, I'm an open book and I just wanted to say thank you to Maria because you're the real deal. And um, today I'm excited because I have a podcast and I think you'll appreciate this because you and I have talked about true crime. Um, we've always talked about sort of the, you know, I'm very good friends with Deborah Tate, whose sister was killed by the Manson family. And I've been to all of those hearings, well, six of them. And I've met all the killers face to face and I've uh, spoken for the LaBianca family um, when they couldn't go. I would read, you know, their letters in uh, in a statement to the killers, and so I'm very schooled with that side of true crime. But I've also befriended uh, in the past three years a woman named Carrie Rawson, and she is Dennis Rader's daughter, who is the BTK killer. He killed over a 40 year span in Kansas, and he killed children and he killed adults. Um, all through her life, he killed before she was born and he continued to kill after and he taunted the local news and he really lay dormant for many years until it was the 30th anniversary of the Otero killings. He killed a whole family, little girl, 11, little boy, nine, and their mom and dad. And he was kind of getting 
jealous that they were doing this retrospective. So he started to communicate again with the local news and the local Wichita Eagle, and it's what got him caught. So um, he did spark up again. So he killed from 74 to 91. Um, Carrie essentially lived a lie. And she talks about when the FBI came to her door, she thought they were there to tell her her grandmother had been murdered by BTK because she grew up terrified of BTK. Um, he killed a neighbor of hers, lived six doors down, Maureen Hedge. Oh she God. was 57 and Carrie was six. And she woke up in the middle of a storm and ran to her mom and dad's room and said, I'm scared, you know, police were out that day and the body was carried out. And he assured her she was fine because of course she was. Um, so it's sort of the other side of what it's like to, you know, have a different kind of trauma growing up with the serial killer as your dad. Certainly a different kind of victim. Yeah. So her and I befriended each other about three years ago and she caught a horrible case of COVID, went to the hospital while I was um, diagnosed with breast cancer. So we always corresponded and actually I was diagnosed first. We were already friendly. And then we sort of were sick at the same time I was getting chemo and then she got uh, COVID. So we've always kept in touch and she's just an amazing young woman. So wait. And so, so Julian, I just, I always say this, like I've always said six degrees of Maria. It's like three degrees of Jillian. Like, you know, er you're involved in everyone. (laughs) And I mean, it's, I'm speechless because like I haven't even done your intro yet, which I'll I'm just gonna tape it later. But it's like, but but you have had this amazing life where you hosted Good Day LA, and it was a show. It was a morning show out in Los Angeles that every Los Angeles resident watched, but also every Hollywood celebrity watched that show. And Jillian was the star of the show. And it's so funny how once you weren't on the show anymore, there was no show. <laughs> this still's not a show. Um, it's just. I watched it recently. It's just not, it, you know, it was sort of a party that I organized. And then after 20 years, I got kicked out of. <laughs> right. I, you so, know what? And um, again, when you're on the go 24 seven, like me guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials. It's been my go-to for so many years and having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. It's just so many layers and so much to talk to you about because you have that whole part of your life. And then it's this getting... uh, befriending the Tate family in support of them against the Mansons. And now I didn't even know about this B2K situation. Yeah. Wait, how did you get to know the, the daughter of the killer? Well, I had a radio show here in Los Angeles and Carrie had written a book and I read it in like a day. And of course I knew who BTK killer was, buying torture kills. So uh, I, I said, we need her as a guest. Well, as it was, the structure of that show was not really set up for in-depth. So we had her on for one segment and it was so disappointing to me 
So when I started my podcast, we had always talked back and forth, but then we were getting, you know, she was really busy with her kids. I was busy with mine. Then I got sick. She got sick. So we finally just did it last week. So she's coming up in the next few weeks. Um, Deborah's, so we've been friends for three years. Deborah and I are different because this is over at the Tate family. Deborah Tate, you mean? Sharon Tate's sister. Yeah, it sounds like it. And you went for all the probation hearings where they, every year the Dog and Pony Act, it seems like in LA or or California, where they try to release the killers. It's a joke. And and you go with the family. I go with Deborah. Um, Also, Jay Sebring was murdered that night by the Manson family. Um, So his nephew, Anthony DeMaria, I know Anthony very well. And then the LaBiancas, I've gotten to know. Um, And, you know, Tony used to speak on behalf of his grandfather, but then Tony turned 42, which was the age that Lino LaBianca was when they murdered him. And it became very hard for Tony um, emotionally. And he asked me, would you go and read the letters? And it's not just every year, it's every six months because there's so many of them. Um, Charlie's dead and so is Susan Adkins, but there's still Leslie Van Houten, Patricia Krenwinkel, Tex Watson, there's still Bobby Boussoulet, there's still Bruce Davis. So we are, you know, prepped and ready. And Leslie Van Houten wasn't there on the night of Sharon's and Jay's and Wojtek Rykowski's and Stephen Parent and Abigail Folger's murder. She, he was there, she was there the next night for the La Biancas as she helped murder <laughs> Rosemary, who was 38. And she keeps getting parole because the, I used to think this parole board was like a court, like 12, you know, Supreme Court judges. And no, no, it's two people, usually a male and female from mm-hmm. what I've, well, there used to be male, male. Now there's more women and they're younger and younger. So they have been born in the seventies, eighties, some of them even later. So they're not really as schooled on it as I am. Right. And, you know, I've been there with, uh, Stephen Kay, who was the assistant district attorney at the time. But it's sort of become a joke because the parole board has granted Leslie parole a few times, but we work very hard to keep her where she should be. She slaughtered them. And so what we do is we gather petitions, like much like Sharon's mother did. Uh, back in the 60s, Sharon's mother, when Sharon was completely slaughtered at eight months pregnant, Doris Tate was kind of in a uh, a holding pattern for many years. And one day, 10 years later, her friend came over and said, you know that the Mansons are up for parole. And she said, what? Like, she just assumed they slaughtered all these people. They'd be behind bars for life. But it wasn't the case. So she went, there was no social media then. She went to the good old-fashioned inquirer. And at the back page, there used to be like, you know, you could write, she had a petition. And she said, if you're afraid of these monsters getting out, they slaughtered my daughter. I don't want them living next to me. She got over 650,000 signatures from across the country and took it up to the governor. Um, and she ended up being, she's the reason that families are allowed to make statements now in court because of Doris Tate. Um, President George Bush Sr., she was one of his thousand points of light. She's an incredible woman who died of brain cancer. Uh, the father died. Patty, who was only 11 when Sharon was killed, uh, died of breast cancer. So Deb and I have been friends for 22 years, and we have so many similarities. She's, you know, spent Christmas here. My family, her daughter calls me Auntie Jill. My kids call her Auntie Deb. It's a very close thing that we have. And it, it started because 
I was very vocal on Good Day LA. Uh, back in the day, I didn't even know her. We got connected. And she said, you know, you give so much support. But we go up to the governor's office with our own signatures. Now we got, you know, 150,000, 200,000 electronically. They all have to be printed out. And we go up there and we put them on his desk. So we've been up twice. Um, just recently, Governor Gavin Newsom did overturn Leslie's uh, parole. parole. And also before that, Jerry Brown re re reversed it. So we've been lucky, but every six months they come up every and you just never know. So do you think uh, that, do you think Leslie Van Hone will eventually get out? I don't think the governor will want that on their record. I don't mm. think they want to be the first one to let the Mansons out, any of them, um, because it's such a notorious case. Yeah, You know, it, it kills me because like Carrie's father murdered 10 people from nine years old to 73. Okay. The Mansons killed, well, probably more than 14, but have been convicted for seven and they're up all the time yeah. for parole and because they, they you know, they were supposed to get the death. Yeah. They were supposed to get the death penalty, but it was overturned. overturned. <clears throat> and um, I think with them, they crippled the country in terms of every, I remember being a little kid and my father had to promise me he would protect me from them. Don't worry. You know, and they had so much fun doing it. And granted they were all drugged out of their minds and who knows, yeah. but you know, I don't know. I just, I think that a younger, I could see where a younger person could just look at the facts and say, well, this person get, got out after 15 years for murder or 20. And, but it, it, I think that it went a lot deeper than just even who they killed. Absolutely. deeper. It, in interviews, you know, Deb and I know a lot of the behind the scenes that the public. Oh my God. Tell me, seen. tell me. Okay. So Leslie had a, 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 an ongoing romance with another convicted killer. He was at a different uh, penitentiary. Um, Bruce Davis makes paintings and, and, and makes money, which, you know, son of Sam law, you're not supposed to Tex Watson, who had four children while he was behind bars, denied Sharon the right to have one child. He's fathered four. They've all gone to Brigham Young university on the taxpayer's dollar. Um, it's crazy. But what we do know is that these people are still very active. There's something called Awa and it's air, water, animals, air, water, animals, and it's 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 the Manson girl. So it's still Squeaky From. It's still Sandra Good. And they have this website. And they're very pro-Manson. Uh, I've had threats against me. Deb has had many death threats against her. Um, and what they do is they are still a community that is an outreach program, essentially. And we know that, you know, regardless of what Patricia Krenwinkel and Leslie Van Houten say, um, they're still very connected. And they haven't learned their lesson. I mean, if Leslie got out, I don't care that she's an elderly woman. Now they're up every few, every year because of this elderly law. If you're over a certain age, you automatically get parole. So, um, yeah, that's been a, you know, so the inside <clears throat> stuff is more along the lines. Yeah. Of, don't they, um, don't they, uh, don't they, uh, isn't it the environment that they're fighting for? Like with that group that they have, so that's kind of there. Yeah. And 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 do do they all keep in touch with one another, do you think? Oh yeah. Absolutely. No way. Really? Oh yes. We know that uh for a fact that both Sandy Good and Squeaky were still in touch with uh Charles Manson. Um 
Tex's wife divorced him finally, but she did, you know, give him four kids. Um, there's so many behind the scenes things. I, uh, for instance, Rosemary LaBianca, she had kids before she married Lino, and one of them's name is Susan. And Susan LaBianca forgave Tex Watson. It's a very uh, public, you can go on YouTube and see her petitioning to get her mother's killer Whoa. out of jail. Well, Patty Tate was married to an LA Laker and they had kids and they moved to Santa Barbara. And Patty was at a soccer practice with her daughter and this woman befriended her. She knew exactly who Patty was, but Patty didn't know who this was. And it, it was the woman who was trying to get texts out. So she was very manipulative and having their friends become their daughters become friends because she wanted to talk Patty into, um, you know, letting texts out. There's just so many crazy behind the scenes stories, but recently, you know, uh, we did an auction at, uh, Julian's that does, you know, they do yeah. every Hepburn share Marilyn Monroe. They sold her dress for like yeah. 4 million. So I know the owner and I said to Deb, we you know, Darren, Darren Julian's the owner. Yeah. Yes, I know Darren as exactly. well. Great guy. Yes. And so I said, if he's interested, we could put a retrospective because we had, we, Deborah had all of Sharon's things. They ended up here in this room um, for six months, which I did not like. I'm taught because I did not, I, the responsibility, I wouldn't even let my kids in here. I locked the door constantly. It just scared me. I had her wedding dress, her Fendi sunglasses, her makeup, her mink coat, her shoes, her scarves. I had all of her wedding gifts, wow. um, her eyelashes. I had her hairbrush with her hair in it. So Sharon oof. Tate. So I, I felt such a massive responsibility on me to honor her, but we had to go through every single piece yeah. and document it. And that included her baby clothes. That included, um, you know, some things that were blood splattered, doilies, things oh that, you God. know, oh. they kept. And so, you know, I told Deb, she struggled with it. And I said, Deb, you know, Sharon would want you to be financially okay. Yes. Yes. Like, you've done everything. Your life has gone to keep her murderers behind bars. So I think, you know, so of course, Julian's, they were very interested. And, um, she ended up making $500,000 and oh, we didn't even sell everything. So, you know, there's a lot of the dark stuff that Julian's didn't, we, Deb and I call it the dark stuff and it's mm -hmm. the baby clothes and the, you know, and it's in a, it's in a locked warehouse, temperature controlled. I thought her mink coat would go, you know, but it didn't. It says Sharon Tate embroidered inside of it. If I had the money, I told Deb I would buy it. Deborah did give me some clothes of, of Sharon's back. 15 years ago mm -hmm. and I was doing a sitcom on NBC and I wanted to wear and I the, the costume department was all right friends let's talk about something we all do snack trust me I've definitely overindulged in the past but as you know I am focused on my health these days and I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor and it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios and then I got addicted and now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier 
kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. And so she gave me a pair of earrings and she gave me two kind of hippie peasant tops. And one was this lace, really cute um, Victorian cream colored capsule. Oh, the other thing was at the auction, they want to see pictures of Sharon in her dresses. So we had her Golden Globes dress, we had her Christian Dior dress she wore to the Oscars. So we had pictures of her in her hippie beads and her jeans. And I mean, we just had everything. It was such a uh, an honor to go through and uh, and catalog everything. Yeah. They did such a marvelous job. Did did Deborah? Did I want to ask you? Did Deborah see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, we went to the premiere together. Yeah. Did she enjoy it? Well, she was she was a um, she worked with Quentin okay. because oh. you know even though Margot Robbie had a, a smaller role. Deb met with Margot, and Margot wanted the essence of Sharon. So Deb uh, went to the set. She gave her this, a similar pair of earrings that I have that, that were Sharon's, and uh, she got she talked to her for half the day about who Sharon was as a person, uh, how lovely she was, and uh, so we went, and uh, I went with Deb, and then Ariana, her daughter. I said, get your ass here to the premiere. <laughs> so Ariana came. Um, it's funny. She's 36 now. And I met her when she was 16. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so we go and we're all sitting there. And Deb does not suffer fools. She is very open. And there were a couple <laughs> there were a couple bars where she's like, and I grabbed her hand. And I'm like, no, because Quentin is behind us. Leo, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, they're all behind us. <laughs> and I was like, don't. Same. She just, we both thought that the blowtorch of the Susan Adkins character was a little crazy. But, you know, we, I'll tell you the part that was very heavy. When Quentin got the rights to uh, Matt Helm's 13 Chairs, uh, the, the movie that Sharon was in, their last movie, um, I grabbed Deb's hand because Sharon was on the screen. And I said, they they used the real Sharon. And I said, oh my God, there she is. I said, there she is for all of Hollywood to see. Quentin, Brad Pitt, that's Sharon. Here she is. And we both started crying. And then at the end, Deb already knew the ending, but she signed an NDA with Quentin Tarantino, obviously. Uh, So we got ready here at my house. We did our makeup, hair, blah, blah, blah. We got a car. And she says to me on the read of the premiere, because she was hesitant. She said, you know, I don't know if I want to relive this. And I, in the very beginning when Quentin approached, well, he actually didn't approach her. She went on TMZ and I was like, Deb. And Quentin got a hold of her because she was like, I don't want any movie. She's very outspoken. This is one of the strongest women I've ever met. Even when she got breast cancer and I found, you know, I took her to the best place in Beverly Hills. Little did I know I'd be going there a year later myself. So Oh my gosh! I just noticed the bubbly. Oh my god! Oh, Winnie. <laughs> yeah, she. What's that? Winnie. Every now and again, she acts up, and I have to pat her, and then she goes back down. Winnie acts like my Rosie, but Rosie's not in here. Um. So 
Dem's a really tough chick. And so at the very end, oh, I, okay, I'll go back to Quentin. So she speaks with Quentin. They meet, okay, in Santa Barbara. They have a three-hour meeting about what this is. And the first thing I said to her was, she's been courted by many people. And I, I call them BC-level bullshit. Mm -hmm. And when she comes to me, I'm like, absolutely not. Certain actors who want to play Sharon and their husband's a producing partner. I'm like, no, no, no. For years, this has gone on. I'm like, no, this has got to be big. This is huge. It's a part of Americana. Yes. Ugly I mean, history. and by the way, how many, if you count the number of Manson productions, it's oh, there's do dozens and dozens of movies and miniseries and it's endless and it'll continue to go. You're a hundred percent. That was Deb's number one. She's like, I feel like my voice needs to be out there because of all those yes. series. She was pissed off at that NBC Aquarius. She's like, damn it. So I said to her, you're taking this meeting with Quentin because it's Quentin fucking Tarantino. Right. And every time I turned the channel, it was like Al Pacino's joining, uh, Burt Reynolds. I go, Luke Perry. Every star kept, you know, Brad Pitt, Leo. I said, no, no, no. You are going to be part of this and you will be a contributor. There's no way you're not going to be and you'll be a paid contributor, period. So I got the lawyer. She goes and meets with Quentin. And I said to her, you know what? I said to her, you... I, she came back very because he wouldn't tell her what it was really about. Okay, he, he was very obviously he's protective. This was since like four years ago. So I said, watching Glorious Bastards because he, he has a way of rewriting history, and I have a weird feeling he's going to rewrite history. And you know she wasn't really familiar with him, and I just said, you know, he rewrote so that Brad Pitt, you know, the, 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 these Jews go out and kill all these fucking Nazis. I said it's brilliant. And so on the way to the premiere, she turns to me in the car and she goes, do you want to know how it ends? I go, I already know. I know that Sharon doesn't die. She started laughing. So at the very end of the premiere, when the lights came up, she turned to me and we both said, if only, if only. And, you know, I just talked to her yesterday. She's just a, an amazing woman. Um, but fast forward, I found her the best doctor. She got her uh, breast cancer taken care of. They did a lumpectomy and radiation. Little did I know I would be in the same position uh, two years later. It's so I called up and I said, hey, guys, remember me? I came up with Deborah. They're like, of course. And I said, well, it's my turn. I mean, <laughs> and I said, I want to do a double mastectomy. And they said, well, we need your labs first. And I'm like, oh, no, it's breast cancer. They said it on the mammogram. They gave me a sonogram. And I want to book a double mastectomy today. And let's go. And they're like, oh, that's really odd. But OK. And so they booked it for like two weeks away so and uh i was able to uh get my mastectomy so i got diagnosed october 25th which is breast cancer awareness month and then i had my my boobs taken off on november 9th and i healed over the holidays and then i started my first uh chemo in january and i finished in august but what they don't really tell you your hair falls out after the first fucking chemo but they they kind of forget to tell you that everybody here falls out. So you have no lashes, you have no brows. And then the steroids make you so huge. You're like, holy shit. Like, there were times when I was like, why is Uncle Fester in my house? What's oh, happening? Um, so anyway, it just, you, 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 you know, and in between all that, don't ask me how I get caught up in, in true crime and how I end up in the middle of it. But one of my best friends is a Mexican actress <laughs> that El Chapo was fascinated with. And then I got embroiled with Sean Penn and her. And then, you know, they found El Chapo. And then Kate was 
you know, the FBI, everybody, I had to get her a lawyer. Right. So so then, I know. I know. So there was a whole documentary on this and I'm watching it and it pops Jillian. Right. And so you, it's a Netflix doc. It's amazing. And then pops Jillian in the. I'm like, what is once again? What is Jillian doing in the <laughs> middle of this? But you know, Jillian, I always say like, you are America's cool aunt. You're like the one who comes in, who's fun to be when we need fun, but then when you need to kick ass, you kick ass. Where like the mom is more scared. More, you're bold, and I, there's again. Okay, can I just say as a dude that I love the ending of that movie? So maybe it's a guy thing. I love seeing the flame torch come out. I I, I love the fantasy of that happening. But justice. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I hate to say that, but um, Jillian, do any of the, by, before I move switch to topics, but do, those any of those Manson people say anything to you? Do they give you? Do they? Do they? What? Do they look at you in the court with in a in a yeah? Like what? Does they? Do they keep that front with a big smile during the whole parole thing? I want to. I always am curious oh, about an that. Interesting question. Um, so you go into a room, uh, and we went to Mule Creek. That's where Tex is. So we flew up to Sacramento, and we drove to we. Oh God, it was fantastic. This little town. Uh, we had dinner and had these horse like back from back. It's a, it's an old gold mining town. And so they had these these cement things along the road. I'm like, what is that? They're like, oh, that's where the horses used to get tied up and drink water. I'm like, what? But anyway, so we go. And I remember my first hearing that I ever went with. It was out in Chino. It was for Patricia Trenwinkel. And I didn't know. I was on Good Day LA then. And Harvey Levin was just starting. T- it was before TMZ. But Harvey was asking me, he's like, are you there for media? And I'm like, no, because each family member can bring one person. So they say, you know, when they go around the room, you say, who are you, State? And then she'll say, Deborah Tate. And then I will say, uh, Jillian Barbary, support for Deborah Tate. So you're there for support. But over the years, I ended up, you know, getting to know everyone very well. And the lobby office just said, you know, please, please will you speak in front of text? Um, when I went to the Patricia Krenwinkel, I was sitting beside Anthony DeMaria, who looks an awful lot like his uncle, Jay Sebring. And Deb, myself, she comes in, she has shackles on, and she looked at all of us. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. And then she proceeds to tell... Uh, what a great prisoner ideal she's been for all. And she gets to speak. I think she spoke for seven hours. Um, I've been to some with Tex where he spoke for nine hours. The last nine time. hours. Fam- yeah. We take a break, come back in. And-, and then the family gets to speak, but you only get three minutes. So each person I'm reading the Labiancas very quickly. And I, and he was looking, he's not allowed to address you. Um, 
he did address Anthony DeMaria. Anthony is Jay's nephew. And he looked at Anthony and he said, I want to tell you, your uncle tried to protect Sharon. And immediately the parole board said, you are not to talk to the family. You do not look, you do not speak. So he had to just kind of sit there. And then I spoke on behalf of the LaBiancas and I asked Tony, is it okay if I say one thing at the end? And he said, whatever you want. And I said to him, you know, Mr. Watson, you were granted the luxury of having four children and you took that away from Sharon. You took away her baby, which would have lived. It was, she was eight and a half months pregnant. She was two weeks away from giving birth. Her baby lived for 20 minutes in her belly after they murdered her. So, you know, I said it, it's, it's to me disgrace that you have been given these, uh, you know, these, these beautiful opportunities in life that you denied your victims of. And um, that was so, so yes. Do they see you? Yes. Do they, he tried to engage, not with me, but with Anthony, Jay's uh, nephew. Yeah, what do you make of that, his engagement? was? Do you think it was genuine? I do. And I also oh. believe for Anthony, because Anthony I know very well. Anthony also has a documentary out. Um, his uncle was kind of a, his uncle was a rock star in the 60s. Um, he cut Steve McQueen's hair, J.C. Brings hair. He cut everybody, every cool guy in Hollywood. And he kind of made hairstyling sexy and approachable for men. He had this great place uh, on uh, Fairfax called Sebring International. It was just a sexy place to go, you know, and guys would go, girls would go, Sharon hung out there all the time. Um, and they partied. They loved to have fun, go out at night, dance. But the last day of Sharon's life, whenever I hear somebody go, oh, yeah, the, the, I was, you know, these old Hollywood types will say they were invited. It's all bullshit because the only person that, Sharon invited that night and then called it off was Deb and her friend. And she said, she used to call her pumpkin. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm smoked. I'm done. I'm, it was 104 that day. She had Sheila Wells over who's a, another actress and Sheila brought her baby whose middle name is Tate. And um, Sharon was bursting and I'm going to have her baby. And they lounged in the pool and Winifred Chapman, who was the housekeeper, they had like a little bit of a light lunch. And then Sharon took a nap. And later when she woke up, they were starving. And they're like, let's just go down to, you know, she called Deb and said, pumpkin, I can't do it. I'm exhausted. I'm going to be in bed early tonight. So they, you know, went back to her house and there was no party intended, although people say there was, there truly wasn't. And um, yeah, that, that was it. I mean, everyone went to the room. Jay was talking to her and, her bedroom on the corner of her bed and she was already in bed and uh abigail folger was in her bedroom and Wojtek was on the uh on the couch unfortunately stephen parent was this you know i've gotten to know his family as well he was just at the wrong place the wrong, the wrong time. time you know he came to get a radio from um <sighs> william garretson who was the house uh, it was renting the house you... so i did go to that house before they tore it down before trent Reznor moved in um, and what did it look it, like? What, do, very do, eerie for me. I went at night with a friend and I just, I left immediately. I just said, I don't want to be any part. It was very dark. Uh, ironically, I ended up going to a party there three years ago. Um, the guy uh, who owned, who did the full house series, uh, Frank, Jeff Franklin, Jeff Franklin, 
Jeff, Jeff Franklin. Franklin. Yes. He had a big party there. And some Gary Delabate was there, JD. I walked in, I'm a John uh, Stamos. I'm like, what the fuck? It was so much fun. Tom Jones was singing in the living room, which was exactly the old living room. So, of course, my mind, I'm thinking all those Wait, things, you know? This, not the knockdown like, house? The the new house? You I went... went to Jeff Franklin's mansion, but I also went to the original house when I first moved here. Right. I went to Sharon's house and, um, you know, I left immediately. It was no, it was before Trent Reznor moved in yeah. uh, with Nine Inch Nails. There was no one living in it, and um, it really scared the shit out of me. I, uh, I because read, I grew up re- reading Helter reading Skelter, and knowing, knowing it. But you're sensitive enough probably to feel the darkness there. And very I think, much. I think, and I, the, go, the go, lawn go. itself, when you first pull in, that's where Wojtek was. He ran out the front door, and Abigail was just up the side on the lawn. Um, you know, they had stabbed her so many times her white nightgown was completely red. And so that's what I started thinking about. I, I just thought about Wojtek and Abigail and I was like, I'm out of here. I just do not want this negativity. No, I get it. Um, and, and Trent Reznor, I think from what I read is he actually regrets not, he regrets kind of making it a monument. He kept the front door. Like, why wouldn't you? Cause that is a piece of history, but pig, it said pig on yes, it with Sharon's blood. Yeah. With Sharon's blood. But I've read that he regrets now that he kind of really. Yeah, I think you know when you're young, it's like oh yeah, well, you know. I think he looks back. Now. Yeah, I think I'd read that where he's, and that's why obviously they knocked it down and that's interesting. Put something well, new. Well, you know, I was I forgot to tell you this little part of history, which is a little dark, but it's I was doing an NBC sitcom. The guys who created Will and Grace, Max Munchnik and David Kohan, mm-hmm. um, they were casting for. Uh, as comedy, a sitcom that came on after Will and Grace and Friends. It was called Good Morning Miami. And it was Mark Ferristein and some other actors and Tiffany Amber Thiessen or Tiffany Thiessen. So they wanted, they auditioned a bunch of Jillian. They're like, you got to be like Jillian Barbary on the morning show. So they auditioned like 17 to 20 girls. And then they're like, fuck it. Let's just call Jillian, see if she's interested. <laughs> I'm like, hello. Yes, I am. So I'm each I get close to the wardrobe department. It's this fabulous gay guy, this fabulous girl. And I'm thinking, Deb, this was like 15 years ago. Deb had just given me Sharon's tops. And one of them, I should have just kept it, but I was doing a photo shoot for Maxim. And I said, I wanted as an ode to Sharon to do like a full Sharon tape, makeup hair and wear her actual Victorian lace. Okay. So I said to the costume department, do you guys, this is, I didn't tell them who, or what I said, I have a really important family piece. Um, is it possible that you guys could restore it? Cause it stitching was coming out and they're like, absolutely. So they said, my God, it's so delicate. We need blah, blah, blah chemicals to, to rip. So they said they left it overnight in this very mild solution. And they got there the next morning. And when I came, it was after good daylight. So I got there at about 11 one of the wardrobers called me in and they said, you know, what, what is this top? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, I want to show you something. And it was in a vat and there was a layer of like gray soot on top. And I said, she said, this is just weird. Was it in a fire? Like, was there a fire at this home? And I said, no, I said, but it does come from some dark history. And uh, I ended up telling her and she goes, you're not going to believe this. When we were washing, they stayed late that night to get all the wardrobe set up for the next day to shoot, which was a Thursday in front of a live audience. They decided to put it in that night. 
she said they left the lot and there's always things going on at the lot all times a day right because it was on the cbs radford lot she said we were both in this room where they uh fix mend clean the clothes and she said they had such an eerie feeling her and craig they said we didn't know what it was and we were just really creeped out and they've lived on that lot at nbc for years so i told her what it was and she said oh my god that makes so much sense but um I never ended up wearing it for the shoot because although I was five, four and size zero, Sharon was smaller and I had boobs and she was kind of tiny, like very narrow rib cage. Just, it was too small. I'm like, my gosh. And I was little, I was probably a hundred pounds. So that's just a side story. I thought it yeah, was but interesting and I've never really shared that with anyone. That is, <laughs> I know, and, but I believe in all that stuff, the dark energy and how that's attached to these things. And uh, you know, I think, Drugs are such a gateway to the dark forces to come in, and they were all on drugs. That, that's what yes. it seems like to me. Just because, like, with yeah. Tex Watson, just seemed like a big dumb animal. To be honest, like he could have 100%. either you could have made him into a preacher, which he is now apparently, or a killer. Like he would have just gone wherever. But Charlie just he seemed like the he did, obviously was the mastermind. Did you get yes. to sit sit across from him at all and face him? No, in fact, uh, he. <laughs> would whenever he found out Deb was there. So in the very beginning, as a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. It was always Doris. Listen, I, want, now, Doris see, I know was... what you're going to say. So Kelsey, I want you to listen very carefully about how narcissists yeah. play. This is yeah. a great, I already know where this is going. Go ahead. Tell, so he tell would us. face Doris, the mother. Uh, he faced Patty Tate. Patty used to go and then Patty died of breast cancer. And Deb's been doing it for the last 25 plus years. Well, God, 30, because I've been with her for 22. Anyway, <laughs> when Charles Manson found out, because they tell you, they get like a rundown of who, what family members are going to be there each that's just the way it is. Like they don't just walk into the room, you know, the killers, they are told beforehand by their, their, their counsel, uh, who is, or from the prison. And so when he finds out Deb's going to be there, he calls her the old bitch. And he's like, ah, that old bitch is here. And he would turn around and leave. Like he did not want to face Deb because right. Doris was very well-spoken, but let me tell you, I would go crazy if that was my daughter and I knew what her last, you know, moments were. Right. Doris was always controlled. Patty was very soft-spoken. Deb is so nice, but she's cutting. Like, I get emotional. Deb is very much about the law. She could tell you the ins and outs, right. victims' rights, but more importantly, criminals, killers' rights. 
She knows everything and everyone. And so, you know, there's a little pride in the fact that he's afraid to face Deb. It was, and he's, he did it like every time he'd get up pissed off and angry and go, ah, that old bitch. And then he would turn around and leave. Yeah. Well, they, they always dodge. They know how to dodge the big blow. And he yeah. knew he, they like the power of seeing people cry and be weak. And yeah, but when yeah. someone like that is going to manhandle them and throw them every he and so they cla- the classic is that's why they walk. They're masters of that. Yeah, he would never, you know, never take it on the so chin. Absolutely right about that. I, you know, being the narcissist or sociopaths. But you know, I will say for you know Deb is so controlled and so. You know, when I first faced him, I was like, it's kind of an out-of-body experience because I grew up, a, you know, when I was 11, I read Helter Skelter. So it, it, it's an out-of-body experience. And then you, you just, you're there for that, for a job. You're there to be the voice of the victim. And so much has come out uh, before Susan Adkins died. Uh, she's the one who held Sharon. She stabbed Sharon and she also yeah. held her while Tex stabbed her. And in her testimony uh, and subsequently interviews thereafter, and she got married behind bars. Yes, I know. Um, she told everyone that Sharon was the last to die. They wanted her to have fear. They want, it's exactly what you said. They love seeing people cry. They love, and so Sharon's last words were mother. She was screaming for her mother. And Susan said that. And, I'm thinking for Doris Tate, that had to be the worst even thing on, on the face of the earth to hear that the last words your daughter says are are, are you. And um, she tried everything Sharon did. She was alive for 45 minutes. And I love Deb always said, she goes, this woman's life was so charmed. She would walk down the street and people would get in a car accident. She was so sexy, so beautiful and so kind but she had 26 kittens she rescued on the property. She took every dog she could. Um, Roman was always like, oh, my God, he'd come home from making a film. It was a zoo, you know. She was always there for her friends. So Deb likes to say the first 26 years of her life were beyond blessed. She won every beauty pageant. She just walked in and people wanted her in movies. And she was but she just wanted to be a wife and a mother. Um, and then she says the last 45 minutes of her life were hell. So, you know, Deb chooses to think about the 26 years. And the last 45, they did horrible things. They mentally tortured her and said, and she said, just, 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 because she knew she was dead. And she just said, well, then take the baby, but you can kill me after you take the baby. Like, just frantic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at some point, Susan Adkins just said, shut the F up. I'm sick of listening to you bitch and moan. I'm, I have no mercy for you. It was horrendous. It was sickening. And and, um, and when you sit across from them, when you the ones you yeah. sat across with, do you think there's any part of them that has changed or is remorseful? Or what do you think from being around them? Well, Deb calls them crocodile tears. Like when we were sitting with uh, Patricia Krenwinkel, she's, she's got the whole little, there's no tears. Um, with Leslie, she'll come right out and say, you know, I was, I, I, I stabbed Mrs. LaBianca. She, in the beginning, kind of tried to distance herself from it. Her lawyer and I uh, have massive fights. So he used to come, he came on the radio once, not knowing, A, who he thought, oh, it's KBC radio. I'm going to talk. 
So <laughs> everyone was listening. The LaBiancas, obviously the Tates, Stephen Parent's family. I'm not sure if they were listening, but he didn't know that I had, not only had I been to the hearings, that I was a very good friend of Deborah Tate. So we kind of got into it. But at first he didn't, you know, he's like, you know, she was 19 and blah, 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 blah. And I started and we started a yelling match and he finally hung up on me. But I did say, I was like, yeah, I was 19 once. I've tried drugs. I'm like, mm, I wouldn't slaughter a woman, like an innocent woman. And and uh, I go, there's right from wrong. He said, well, but, you know, she's done her time. And I go, but what does that mean? I go, when is Rosemary going to crawl out of her grave? Like, why? You know, so Rosemary and Lino's life is worth just a few years in prison. Like, then shouldn't we all be out killing? Because we're going to get out eventually. Like, why not try it? Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he started to get very angry and it became a huge fight. And it's, I think it's on, you know, out there. But I was lit up. And I said, you sound like you're in love with her because he has, I think he might have a personal, I could be wrong. I don't know. It's just my speculation. Please don't come at me if he doesn't. His name is Richard Pfeiffer. Um, and uh, Deb and I really go. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And that happens a lot too, where you see some of the, some of these, uh, the perps, guy or girl fall in love with the lawyers and vice versa. Yes. Cause then you go, wait, there's something, there's a little bit more passion here than yeah. Right. That beyond professionalism. No, I feel like I've seen that before too. Well, you have, I mean, there's a killer. Uh, when I was living in Canada, I grew up um, just outside of Toronto where I was born in uh, Toronto. And then I was in foster care. I was in like five families. And finally a family adopted me from, Burlington, which is a smaller community and really beautiful. But anyway, when I was a teenager, before I moved to Montreal for my first television job, there was somebody called the Scarborough Rapist, and he would get women getting off a bus. And we all knew about him as teens, and we were like, holy shit. Fast forward, when I'm living in now Miami, there's a series of murders in my hometown, Burlington. They, they killed a girl named Leslie Mahaffey. They kept her in a cage. They chopped her hair off, pulled her nails out. They tortured her. It was like a real life silence of the lambs. Yeah. And then they abducted a girl named Kristen French from St. Catharines. And when they killed her, they dumped her body near Leslie Mahaffey's grave in Burlington, where I'm from. So I was fascinated with the case. It turns out it was a husband and wife, Carla Hamolka and Paul Bernardo. And Paul Bernardo ended up being the Scarborough rapist. Well, when I was on the radio, he was trying to get this book out and nobody knew who he was in the States. And I'm like, wait a second. And his ebook and his lawyer, they were doing a press tour. And I go, oh, 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 yes, we've got to have him on because they were thinking everybody in the States, blah, blah, blah. nobody really, I'm like, oh, fuck it, have him on. This is going to be great. I'm going to fucking annihilate them. <laughs> and so they found out who I was. And I did this whole petition saying this man should not profit from the deaths, like the Mahafis are devastated. I think they got divorced because they had locked their 15 year old daughter out to teach her a lesson because she was coming home late. Well, guess what? She's standing outside the house. She can't get in. And who's rolls up in a car, Paul Bernardo. And he's like, Hey, you want a cigarette? Oh. Throws her in the car, drives her 45 minutes away and takes her into the house of horrors. They actually bulldoze the house. But um, it got to where I knew so much about the case. I did this petition and they canceled his ebook. And I was like, boom. I, I was so excited that, you know, 
like I'm sure he hates me and I'm I love that I would hate for a serial killer to love me so I don't really care he's rotting in prison his accomplice his wife has been out of prison for 20 years she ended up marrying her lawyer's brother and they have three children yeah. and she's back living amongst the public with her children in school and she goes and she chaperones and when the public found out that she is Carla Hermalka because she goes by Leanne Teal. She's the one who helped him. And the reason we know this, I know this is becoming a true crime podcast, but when they arrested them, they were bulldozing the house. And uh, one of the guys, a construction worker, he had the bathroom light on and he saw a shadow and he went up and there's, they used to have in the sixties and seventies, these frost glass, right and you could put something on top of it and the bulb would hang but the frost glass would kind of scoop down above the or below the bulb there were videotapes and these videotapes showed her when he would go to work she was just as bad um torturing these girls they ended up chopping them up putting them in some cement blocks some of them anyway they found out she was just as bad if not worse than him but because she had they had already given her a, 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 a they called it the sweetheart deal where they said, if you testify against your husband, you'll only do 12 years. And they kept their word. I would have said, sorry, we found out new evidence. We'll go to trial again, you know, but anyway. And she's so living she's up free. in Canada. She she lives a normal life up in Canada. Montreal, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I if I lived up there, I would stalk her, I swear to God. <laughs> I just feel like these people, they take people's lives. They ruin the families. They yeah. ruin them forever because it's all you yeah. can think about is how your loved one went. I can't even imagine. Tortured mentally and then mm -hmm. physically. Mm -hmm. And then they get out. It's like, what? so your life is worth more than theirs. I don't understand it. I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't you know? um, I don't get it either. And I think, uh, yeah, there's so much to be said about it. I, I think it's just something, Jillian, that you keep, <laughs> I think because you're so passionate it's yeah. like one of your purposes maybe here is to just to help people with justice i mean so so you know the the i'd like to move on for a minute to the el, yeah. el chapo so <laughs> i mean no it's fascinating so and and i wish kelsey's probably not familiar with the story but el chapo's big huge drug lord one of the biggest and right, he falls in love with your friend, right? Is that yeah. what right what happens? And that's yes. ultimately what sinks him. Kind of, right? So how to so, tell us the story. Yes. My friend is a was a Mexican star when she was fifteen. Her name's Kate Del Castillo. And her and I met on Good Day LA once. Uh she was a guest and she was promoting a huge show she had called La Reina del Sur. She ended up her and I ended up in that Toyota celebrity pro race. So you spend weeks together and her and I just hit it off. We were roughly the same age. We, um, you know, we just got along great and started uh, becoming a big part of each other's lives. And I got to know her family and her mother and father. Her father's a huge star in Mexico. And you were mentioning El Chapo. Yes, he had a major, not just a crush, but he was quite taken with her. Um, and she's not stupid. She knows she's not going to be an actress forever. She had set up a production company. All the time that we're friends, she says nothing to me or her other friends who are journalists in uh, at Univision and Telemundo, says nothing to us. And it was New Year's Eve and I go spend every New Year's at her house and it's always like the biggest of Latin stars, whether they're singers or you know actors, uh, entertainers, 
Oscar De La Hoya boxers. It's just like a huge, and I always say only speak Spanish. I'm always the, like the only girl that, you know, so, cause I always want to learn from them, you know? And all of a sudden Sean Penn walks in and I was like, oh, that's weird. I wonder why he's here. And I said, oh fuck, of course he's probably, he's got it for Kate. Cause every guy who meets her falls in love with her. She rides motorcycles, she's sexy, she is independent. You know, she's badass. And um, I really didn't think much of it. So yeah, two days, three, four days later, maybe. It was early January. Uh, she had sent a mutual friend of ours a picture. Uh, no, she had already met him by then. It was October. She flew down there. She, anyway, she sent a picture of a, the, the tail, the wing of the tail with the number to a friend of ours. And she said, if anything happens to me, and then I, I didn't know about all this till later. Um, Sean Penn, for lack of a better term, he lied to her. He said he was going there for other purposes. Like he said he was going to go down there for her production company. She's a, he's a big Hollywood star. She thought, yeah, I'll bring him. It'll give me some uh, validation. And El Chapo didn't know who Sean Penn was. He's like, who's this guy, gringo? Can we, tr and he says in Spanish to her, can we trust him? They, if she would have said, at that point, Sean's across the table from him. And he goes, I'm writing an article for Rolling Stone. And she looked at Sean like, oh. what the fuck? You never said that on the plane on the way over here. So when he turns to Kate El Chapo and says to her, can I trust him? She could have said no. And you know what that would have meant. There right. were a hundred guys around him right then with AK-47s. It would have been a very bad ending. Uh, but she said, yes, you can trust him. So, um, you know, honestly, again, I think that she didn't know what she was getting into. She was trying to do the right thing by having Sean there. And I say in the documentary I, I don't feel that his intentions were good i feel like he you know was there for his own gain he i'm like for an article in rolling stone you had access to the it'd be like pablo escobar doing an interview no different he is the pablo escobar of our times he's the fucking richest man he's the king of king drug lords and uh it's a sinaloa cartel her life in danger, which subsequently put my life in danger. We had to, uh, I had to hire a detective. I'm just going to turn this one on. I had to hire a detective. Um, and they stayed at my house for days, like with a gun. And um, with her, I stayed with her for every night for three weeks uh, while I could, because I had kids. And it was just a really scary situation. So we were at her house and she was freaking out and we have a, a journalist friend named Lydia Cachao. She's written about the cartels in Mexico for, for her whole life. All of her friends are dead because they kill journalists. They kill the mayor. They kill it. They shoot down everybody. And she said to me, you need to get her the best criminal defense attorney. And I was like, what? So, because I was like over my head. I didn't understand, you know. So uh, I did some research and, you know, thought of everyone I've had ever on my show from Mark Garagos to, and finally, I'm really good friends with my neighbor and her husband works at Warner Brothers. Well, he did, he's retired, but he was there for 40 years. And his brother was a criminal defense attorney, one of them on OJ Simpson. So I called him and he said, there's only one man that I would ever trust with this and it's Harlan Braun. And I went, of course, it's Harlan Braun. So I called up Harlan and I said, are you familiar with my friend's case? Uh, her name is Kate Del Castillo and um, 
you know, there's this uh, Al Chapo. And he said, of course I know. And he said, yes, have her come in. He saved her life. She's, she always says to me, amiga, you saved my life, which, you know, he, because she couldn't go back to Mexico. She had signed uh, an option for a Netflix series. She had already done the first season. They'd signed on for season two. She could not go back to Mexico. Uh, they were harassing her parents, the government. Like, it's a whole... Yeah, why Mexico, would they be... run by their own rules. So the criminal charges would be on her for what, being friends with him or be, being... Um, well, just possibly knowing him and maybe knowing more than she let on, mm. um, which she didn't. She was there for her production company to possibly tell his life story, which she does have the rights to. So Sean Penn could write that fucking article for Rolling Stone, whatever. She's got the rights. Like she could really tell the story. She still has the uh, rights. And he trusts her to tell it. And he Harlan still and he still trust. Wait, he still trusts her to tell the story. Oh yeah, El Chapo. Well, because he knows she didn't. She had nothing to do with Sean Penn's intentions. She did not know it was about Rolling Stone. She was there to learn more about him, to tell his story. She brought Sean Penn thinking he knows Oliver Stone very well. If yeah, anyone course. could get this done. Sean Penn ingratiated himself into this mission. Okay. She was just supposed to go with these two Latin producers. Well, at the last minute they meet at the polo lounge and there's Sean Penn. So it was just kind of like, and by the way, the big story, and I talked to Harvey Levin about this. The real big story was, they all signed immunity as in like the, 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 nothing legally could happen to them. All three of them signed this document that was all notarized and done by a lawyer that stated that they could not have any criminal charges pressed against them for knowing the whereabouts of El Chapo. Guess who they didn't include in that? Kate. So they, you know what their excuse was? Well, she's an actor. They're journalists. I'm sorry. Last time I fucking checked, Sean Penn was an actor. Right. So, you know, it was a very uh, nefarious situation to be in. So uh, she was terrified. She couldn't go back to Mexico because the government hates her because she found El Chapo before they could. <laughs> and it's a huge embarrassment. So for us, you know, uh, at least El Chapo in our eyes is, is upfront and honest about who he is. The authorities to her and to me were like, not they're embarrassed so they want to have a scapegoat you know they want to go after her Where? and uh this all started because she basically wrote a um she tweeted something as such like you know at least with el chapo you know who he is right. with the mexican government you don't and the shit hit the fan after that and so that was like 10 years ago way before all this so he's always had an affinity for her um but yeah, that was a crazy. And situation. how close is she? Did you know how close she is to telling his story? Oh well, her she's doing a bunch of stuff with her production company right now for both television and for film. She was in the last Bad Boys three. Um, she is very busy. I don't know how where she is at in that on that particular subject, uh, but it's hers, and he granted her the right to tell the story. So that's not going anywhere. Like I, yeah. do, I love you getting involved in crime i don't even mean to i swear I, to god I, I just happen to be friends with these people <laughs> yeah but no you have, you know it's great sense but you know isn't it interesting that um that you know mrs tate would get sick and the daughter would get sick get cancer then you would get cancer do you yep we see it on the show all the time do you see a correlation jillian between 
the emotional traumas that we suffer and eventually the physical illnesses? Oh, 100%. Let's not forget in movie Valley of the Dolls, Sharon Tate dies of breast cancer. So we have thought about this. Deb and I talk about it all the time. She's really deep about that stuff. 100%. If you're an empath and you are a person like me where you you want the best for everybody and you trust everybody. So you hold in a lot of stuff. Okay. And, and, and like with my ex, I wanted him to be happy and be the best actor, be, you know, introducing him to my agents, like always putting that person before yourself, whether it's a boyfriend, whether it's your kid, whatever the case. And Deb has lived her life, you know, for Sharon's memory. That's why I said, yes, sell Sharon stuff because she would want you to have it. Yeah. Deb has nothing. She, she was a worked for the post office and a, a bomb. Remember the mail bombs were constantly going around? A bomb exploded in her face. Oh. And she has no hearing in her right ear. Please. So we are always like, no good. The big joke we have is like, no good deed goes unpunished. Like we always try to do something good and something horrible happens. Oh, you know? But wow. yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. It is true crime, Jillian. True crime, Jillian. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's all crazy. Crazy. My mouth the whole time, you were paying attention to her, but I was over here like. I mean, she's in the thick of it, and she's looked across the table from murders, many, many of them. And still stands on her own two feet and stands and speaks her mind and says what's right. And Can I tell you, you know what the difference is between Jillian and the new celebrities in Hollywood? Mm, tell me. The fact that we didn't even know about this. Now, think of the other ones in Hollywood that go to yes. Capitol Hill, or yes. you see them in hearings. They're there with they're the, tweeting it. They're the putting serious on their glasses on, and they're, they're yeah, taking notes. Yes. And they get. By the way, like oh I don't, God, yes. I don't knock anybody that isn't. If they can be involved in a cause and they can really help, great. But what I like about Jillian over what I see a lot of other people in Hollywood is that Jillian was all about helping those people. Um and and not at all about uh promoting herself. herself. Yes. I mean like nothing. Yes. I mean God, if I were her partner, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd be like, No, 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 publicist, let's go. Yeah. This needs to get out there. Yeah. You're doing all this great stuff. By the way, Maria, same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, same thing. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Maria's always like, No, no, now ruin it. Don't say anything about <laughs> it. But but no, it comes from a great place. I know. You're so right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I mean, like, th these are like, this is part of Americana. The man's, and it never ends. There's always, like, every, like, few years, it's another production. That's how fascinated people I people I want to go are. watch the end of that movie again now because I forget. Like, I forgot that they kept her alive. Oh, yeah. Well, again, if you lived it at that time yeah. where we were all, like, as a nation, terrified that he was like, he was like the boogeyman and yeah. he was going to come kill you in the middle of the night. Yeah. And he loved it. He, so who's and still so alive did his from that posse. family? A lot of them. That's so crazy. Tex Watson and she's Krenwinkel and Susan Atkins died in there. She had a brain tumor. She, she died. But the, uh, <laughs> but there's quite a few of them. And, um, you can look online and there's a few that have gotten out that like, change names or whatever, but, um, crazy. Yeah. Just a crazy time in our country. And, um, but again, the fact that she was right there and I could talk and I'm sure the stuff that we didn't even, Oh yeah. Cause we didn't have time. I forgot how much I like true crime though. That makes me want to, I'm going to go listen to her podcast and some other ones. I worked on a uh, Elizabeth smart. 
um, mm. piece that they had that when I was at my old job and it was crazy all the different stories of the different girls and it like it's just so messed up like all of it I think it's Ugh. it's kind of messed up that it's crime is one of the things that it's like the go-to now it works I know in TV and media so but at the same time what I know about the true crime podcast I've heard friends of mine who are girls say they've learned a lot oh. about prevention oh god yeah which is great and ju- uh, just awareness in general yeah. like that's how i felt after b- working on this way, i was what like about, holy shit what about the mexican actors who like uh, Sean Penn's Sean like, can, Penn? I, can i tackle on Sean Penn? yeah great and then he sits there and he's like yeah i'm here doing an interview for rolling stone like he could have gotten them all killed, killed. yeah I, I had never heard that ever ever and, and and Jillian, if you see the documentary about it, Jillian was yeah, I'm gonna watch that. the one that helped, that really did save the girl because she was, you know, Sean Penn's people were advising her, we'll help mm-hmm. you, but it was really to serve their interests. And that's when God. Jillian came in and goes, no, 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 no. You're getting your own attorney, your own publicist. No, no, see, no, that's no, the no, other no. thing with Jillian, too, is like. Most people in Hollywood are like, oh, I'll totally help you. No, it's no. all for them. She like, she means it. She means it. She's a real one. Like you guys Maria, are. And that's why Maria was like, no, yeah. Jillian's our people. Yeah. You must help her. And I'm like, I was going to anyway. But, <laughs> but I was like, okay, but boss. thank you for the green light. I got it. So anyway, so <laughs> yeah. I look forward to her podcast evolving. And I actually think that as I, and I said this to her on the phone, I have to talk to her producer, but I feel like there's an ask Jillian which is going to be more generic. And I think there's a crime series yeah, I think so too. that's separate, you know? Well, but, and you know. I'm excited to get into her story and her life. Cause that's also a whole nother thing. Like right. she's been through she's it. She's been through it and she just keeps going. Yeah. Just keeps going. Anyway, you guys, um, until then, what Kelsey, until then, uh, be nice people make good choices. Listen to part two mm-hmm. tomorrow and be present. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heel Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heel events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heel Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.